I think it's enjoy the climb. Know where you're going. Map out where you want to go and make sure that you understand. It might be generic, but it's kind of homing in on what do you want to do in the next five years? I think it's important. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone to please support the show by taking a few moments and leaving a review in iTunes. We don't have any to read this week, so I'll go ahead and introduce. I'm sitting here this afternoon with Jason Duff, North American lead for the oil and gas industry at IBM. How's it going, Jason? Hey, hey. It's Friday, man. It's Friday. Yeehaw. It's Friday. <laughs> See, there you go. I'm really Texan. I told you I'd picked up the accent and the sort of terminology in the last two years. Yeah, picking up swiftly. And, and it's swiftly. getting a bit colder. What's going on? It's kind of hit the 40s, but it's blue sky and it's but okay. It's kind of a little bit of an autumn. It's a bit like a July in Scotland, but yeah, it's it's good. It's, anything's better than that ninety degree heat, man. Dude, I can go outside. It's mad. I can oh, go outside and not go red in the face. Well, I'm just glad I can wear boots finally, and not like sweat. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, I've been trying to do eighteen hole golf sort of here, and during the summer, that's yeah, that's my faux pas. Midday. Scotsman, why am I getting a sort of tea time during midday one o'clock? I'll tell you why. No one else wants to go out in 95, 100 with huge humidity. Exactly. exactly. Much better. Less sweating going on this now. What a great way to start the podcast. Let's I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason, let's start. Let's discuss how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, well, I know that was a really long time ago, right? That, I'm only 25. <laughs> Don't tell the whole thing. <laughs> So I started, clearly, my accent, I was born in St. Andrews after school and go to college. I started working in the family business. My father was a, worked in the Swiss watchmaking fraternity and brought some special sort of purpose engineering focus back into Scotland, into Fife where we left, and did a lot of business around oil and gas, which I really, really enjoyed. But sort of really after that, I was a bit of a tickle into oil and gas then, but it was sort of in my blood because that was when my father had sort of cut his teeth on and the special purpose engineering. After that, I actually went to London and became a debt collector, believe it or not, for daily Oh, television. wow. Everybody's so most favorite person, right? Yeah, there you go. So it was actually for a magazine, but it was it was actually as part of the debt collecting, I had to sort of get, we had to implement a system and then get the debts and the creditors together, understood it. We came in with some systems, which was a mini ERP system at the time before SAP, et cetera, could go to that size. Anyhow, I sort of worked in London, and then someone called me one day from Ukraine and said, hey, do you fancy coming to Ukraine, Kiev in Ukraine? I said, yes, and then said, where? This was 1995, so I started working with a bunch of companies down there, some being BP. So this was Ukraine and Kazakhstan. Someone, uh, I went then into work in a sugar refinery down in Odessa, but it was all systems generated. Then did some work with Chevron, and then joined Cooper's Librand, PwC Consulting, 
PwC Consulting was bought by IBM. And then that was a very quick sort of 15, 20, well, that's 24 years last week. My goodness. <laughs> was Librand to IBM. That wasn't meant to be. I was always meant to. I was thinking of going into a multinational, getting a name in, on my CV and then going back out and be self-employed in the oil and gas industry. That was my initial plan in 94. 24 years later, that clearly wasn't the plan <laughs> that I followed. But yeah, I've been doing, since my Ukraine days and probably 95, I started working with BP around the maintenance, maximal packages and processes around their upstream or even in downstream in their joint venture. So actually started traveling from 95, really, right through till mid-2000s on anywhere from Alaska, North Slope, North Sea, geez, Egypt, Angola, Tangu, geez, Algeria, you name it. I've been to all those wonderful holiday locations, and that's where I cut my teeth, really, was on the maintenance side. Not so much on the technology, but how do you standardize a maintenance process in a plant? And we got to a standard sort of 85% fit and doing that. I then went to Russia to look after T and KBP. So as we all know, in 2003, I think it was, BP bought 50% of Tumen Oil. So given that I speak Russian and knew the culture from my time in Ukraine and Kazakhstan, I went back to Russia and looked after that. And then it's all gone from working with Shell to do the offshoring and downstream, which was another interesting part of my oil and gas journey. And then the last four years before I came here, Paige was in Asia, as you know, and I was working with Pertamina, PTT, Petronas. And so it's really the national oil companies out in Asia on a number of things. So anything from dig- most of it was digital, but asset management and the other stuff. So yeah, came here two years ago, never lived in the US, never lived in Houston, but always been in and out. Wanted to see if the Scotsman from Fife could actually come and make a dent and lead the IBM North America oil and gas business and drive it to growth. And voila, I'm sitting in the woodlands in November with my shorts on. (laughs) I would never do in Scotland, by the way. Well, I would do, but I'd be bloody colder than I was here. That's that's a little bit of my blah, blah, sort of, of how I got into oil and gas. But yeah. What was so hard about that? I mean, you have a family. I know this because, you know, you and I are friends, but what was the hardest part about moving around country to country, especially with a family? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I've got two young girls, as you know, 19, well, the young girls, 19 and 23 now. Now I've given away that I'm not 25, Paige. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So the young one's up in LA now at FIDM at Fashion and Design Uni and the younger, the older one is actually thinking about coming here and sort of come to the US and sort of working with our living with us and working here, going back to college. Yeah, it's always been a problem. Initially, I traveled and would travel a sort of one, you know, around the globe and then come back home and I was based in London. And that's that's tiring and you don't need to see much of the family. But I think if if that's all you know, my father did the same thing. I think you grew up that way. The nice thing was in Asia, now in Texas, my family, as you can tell, are, are in what well, came with me to Asia. They actually came to Russia as well. I think once a family travels, it's great for a family as well because you can experience certain things, moving around the culture. I mean, that's why I love this industry, Paige. We, you and I spoke about this with Mark a couple of weeks ago of the culture and how close and how small an industry. I mean, wow. I bumped into Tony Considine in Perth, who was the CEO of Woodside a couple of years ago. And uh, the last time I saw him was, I think, in where would that have been? Somewhere in Siberia when he was the T and KBP downstream 
a lead executive. So it's it's a crazy, crazy world where it's so large, but the industry is so small. And so I think saying that as well, there's a lot of support. I think we all go through the same things. It's easy for the the workers or the guys actually, or the ladies are working doing the work because I think it's the support organization behind it where the wives, etc., and the families have to sort of lean on each other. It's a tough one, but I think it's, yeah, I've enjoyed it. The value and the breadth of learning different language. And again, specifically not just language, the culture has been fantastic. And I can see that coming out in my daughter's growth as well. I think it's great. Yeah. And I definitely understand how you mean the wives and mothers and all have to lean on each other. I mean, you know, I, you know, fourth generation oil and gas myself, you know, my grandmother, when my grandfather was working in the Sahara, when they lived in Malta, they were fighting over cake mix and mayonnaise. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, it was to the point my my eldest aunt was like, no, nah, I'm not going back. That's cool. I'm going to stay here in the States. <laughs> but hey, how many languages do you know for moving everywhere? You said oh, you knew well, Russian. I, I studied French and German at school. So that was a sort of, a, yeah, I wanted to do languages. I was always good at mimicking at school. So actually, my understanding then of doing person's accents, you know, mimicking, I realized that language was probably just a little bit of, you know, an extension of that. So I spoke French and German, went to Switzerland for a year to work in some bars. I'm a Scotsman, so we always belong in bars, don't we? Right. No, uh, I understand that. I'm Scottish and Irish. <laughs> a lot of internal conflict. I think we met in a bar. <laughs> and the other one was in Russia. So actually, it took me about, I would say, six to eight months to really learn Russian. I used to call it Ulitsa Peruski, which is street Russian. And it was because I just, I'd go places. I'm a sponge. I would listen to something. I'd listen to words. I'd write them down. So every meeting, every discussion in a, you know, or words I would hear, I would just write them down, understand them, say them three times, and then start linking them together. It probably took me about eight months where I could actually have a meeting and a conversation. My writing is not so good. So I did it a very non-traditional way. But yeah, I think, yeah, I started learning some Spanish. But well, yeah. you, you have to know that here, man. Yeah. But the only things I can remember now is soy alto, which is I'm tall, and tengo 23 años, which is I'm 23. I've stuck with 23. <laughs> So everywhere I go, I tell everyone I'm tall and I'm 23, which clearly is a little bit limiting to the reality. <laughs> but I think you can tell a lot also from the culture, from the language. A lot of people say, no, you can't. But actually, if you learn and understand what people think, you know, how they say things and how they're actually, you know, it, it kind of gives you a good insight to the culture as well. Awesome. So let's talk about your current role with IBM. Yep. So I'm, yes, okay. So I'm the North American oil and gas lead. Um, based in Houston, living in Woodlands. And so my responsibility is, there's a couple of areas to it. Number one is to own the P&L for all the business consulting-wise that we do. So IBM Consulting is the new sort of, we renamed ourselves a couple of weeks ago, make sure we, you know, we say what we do or what it says in the tin is what we do. It's IBM Consulting. And so, yeah, I'm the P&L owner for that, for all the oil and gas in North America. What I have done, we've been... Yeah, when I came in, I think we had a we had a strategy, but we've changed the strategy. We've become very fixed. I think I've gone into the super majors and made ourselves more relevant. So I work with the guys also and make sure that I've got lead account partners in Houston. And what we've done is made sure that we drive relevance within the accounts and then start making sure that we can deliver business from a, not only locally, but what can I do leveraging 
the relationships we got with the global vendors, but also the global partners and also the uh, national law companies. So no, it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. So my my job next really is to sustain this business, grow, sorry, grow a sustainable growth to get to a point and then, you know, get it to a point where the next Jason Duff comes along and the next, you know, when I decide to leave, but I'm still 25, I'm not leaving yet. Yeah, but, I was going to say you got a bit. Yeah, I've got a bit to go here. That's there's no. I'm not going anywhere. I've got a growth. I want to double then treble this business. So I've got a good plan of how do I, who do I want to resource, where do where do I want to focus and spend my time. I think if you think about the work that the clients are getting into just now, I mean clearly, the more agile approach to digital and as we come out of COVID, how do we turn on this industry and make sure we support and enhance the digital projects and take some leadership. So you know, we can deliver good business outcomes with some of these programs. That's taken a lot of our time. And then clearly the energy transition as well, which is clearly on everyone's lips and has become almost a, you know, the word that comes straight out of everyone's mouth. But how do we help the businesses and how do we do the right thing using technology? And right. And so it's good, really good. Good. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> One advice. Well, my father, see, I, I can think of a few things. I'm trying to think, how do you... Number one, my father used to always tell me there was, you've got two ears, son, use them. I'll put that into context. He gave me my first week of diary entries to go and see some people when I was out working for the family business. And I, I very quickly understood that, that, you know, it's not what comes out your mouth, it's what you're hearing. And can you assess and bring it back? So I, I think it really is important that we you know, understand and I always summarize, and actually the people that know me, I'm a pictorial person. So if, if I'm listening to someone, if I can draw what I've learned or understood and I can draw it on a page, then we're doing good. And if not, I'll go back to it. So my view is, you know, make sure you understand, I think, is where my father's lesson was to me when I was a lot younger. And I, I still think today I use that. And I think it's just pictorializing and making sure that you don't walk away from something that you think you understand because you're going to, you know, you're going to miss some stuff. I guess the other stuff that comes to mind, if you think about it, is enjoy the climb. A lot of people just now, and I was talking to a couple of people this week about the progress in the industry. One was with an oil and gas major and one was one of my guys with an IBM. And they were all very focused on the next step or the next two steps and trying to grab there. And really not enjoying what they're doing now that said guys you know it's not six months next six months next enjoy it as you go i think that's something i've probably yeah probably didn't really understand myself probably until the last five ten years of understanding of enjoy it jace you know there's there's a bit here where life's short but yes the climb's there but enjoy it you know there's there's more to it than just getting to the plateau and working out what you do next and the last thing i think i would say is so you asked for one, and clearly I'm giving you three. There you go. No, so, that's fine. No, the more the merrier. Yeah, I would say. Say put, put yourself out there. Put a plan out. I think, you know, I knew I spoke to someone 1st of July 2015 about this role. That day, I actually had landed in Singapore to work there. Now, I eventually worked there for four years, but I knew my next, or I planned my next role was going to be, I wanted to come to Houston. I wanted to come to the U.S., and I wanted to try what I think I'm good at and running a business in the US. And I really want to take a challenge. So I would say take the risks and put yourself out there. And as long as it's in the right direction for where you want your career to go, 
you know, you'll learn from it. So I think of those three areas, you know, listen, summarize, summarize again. If you don't, you know, understand it, go back and do it. Enjoy the climb. Is a climb and it is a journey and we're all, you know, we're all going through it. And actually I, th- I find myself sometimes a great way of just stress release of thinking of, hold on, where are you? Let's just look around a little bit. Just take a breather, look around and understand it and, and live it rather than head down, just hiding from that plateau and then going in the right direction, putting yourself out there. I think that's, I would never have gone to Russia, Ukraine or even Asia or even back in the US if I hadn't probably done those three things, if I'm being honest. Does that make sense? I guess. Yeah, I- it does. Yeah, absolutely. So what book influenced you the most and why? Oh, bloody hell, books, books, books. I probably go for what am I attracted to? <laughs> That's something else, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, what, what question are we asking again? <laughs> I probably, given what excites me, I probably go for three things. I go for travel. I go for challenging situations, and uh, and probably that then it brings experience along with it. If if that makes sense to you, I mean. The books I, I, I love reading is is things that I can lose myself and understand, and I can touch, smell, and and see exactly what the author's doing. I mean, there's experience with well, Martin Cruz Smith. So he's a, an American writer of the the West Coast. I'm reading just now Siberian Dilemma, which is his ninth novel. Now that Martin Cruz Smith, anyone doesn't know about. His first book was Gorky Park, or his second book was Gorky Park, but clearly everyone will understand that. There was a film, it was, you know, relevant in the 90s, etc. His main character is a guy called Arkady Renko. It's a son of a Red Army general, and Arkady is a Russian chief investigator, and he gets himself into a lot of trouble. He travels around. There's always a dead body or dead people when he's chased by mafia, etc. But it's just a challenging experience. I love that view. And how Martin Cruz Smith talks about that experience and what he's in the back of the taxi, the fabric of the seat, what he's smelling. It's just so realistic. I just love that. And I think I probably use books more to just do a bit of escapism. I think we spend so much time at work, well, actually maybe even on Zoom these days, and I just need that escape and a relaxation. I just feel really good. The other one I have, I mean, there's a gentleman in the 1840s, a Frenchman called Gustave Flaubert, who wrote Madame Bovary. He's got a great book. I've read it a few times, but it's Flaubert in Egypt. His father was a well-known surgeon, and Flaubert was a bit of a, I guess, a, a bit of a lad as a youngster and sort of used his family money and went off to Egypt in 1840 with his best friend, Maxime Ducamp. And just the sights and smells and everything that he saw there was it was just fantastic. And again, I guess where my travel and my background and then experiencing, I mean, gosh, he would have taken probably four weeks to get to Cairo in those days of, you know, horse and cart, probably steamship. Yeah, it was a steamboat across the Mediterranean where something I could probably do in five, six hours or not even that, two, three hours today. It's just amazing. So that's the type of thing I kind of, I use it as I lose. Yes, I use some business books, et cetera, as well, but I probably use my reading or my big book influences are my, you know, get away from it and really get back. Oh, yes. Gotcha. Oh, yes. (laughs) You know what to get me for Christmas now, right? Yeah. (laughs) Just wrote it down. The other one I love as well, Robert Harris. I don't know. Have you read Fatherland? No, I have not. 
Fatherland is what probably nineteen mid nineteen sixties Berlin. It's a kind of what if if a summarise of Germany won the war, Hitler's still in control, and this book is about I can't even remember the main character, but it's a sort of Politburo or a chief investigator, and there's a dead body again. But that's scary as hell. Just imagining the whole thing, and I read it actually. The reason I thought about it, which again goes back to, I was on a night train between Moscow and St Petersburg probably early 2000s and I was reading Fatherland and I fell asleep and I woke up and I just yeah I felt like I was in the book and that's why again that's why I kind of quite like it but yeah scary but good. Sounds like you like murder Jason. Yeah I was thinking that as well damn I was thinking dude everything I've just said there's dead bodies (laughs) etc. You're learning about yourself on a podcast where everybody's paying for this. Am I lying on a couch just now you're going to find out exactly why I like this. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even think about that. I I did think it was funny. I've I kind of thought about the travel, the the challenge and the experience, but you're right. Maybe there's a bit of death there as well. Well, I'm a big fan of, of mysteries. If there's a mystery or a problem and there needs to be a solution, I'm all about that. So that's kind of my thing. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Sorry for the interruption, but I wanted to share a couple of things for December. First is no industry mixer. We'll pick those back up in January. Second, from myself and from my entire OGGN team, we want to wish each and every one of you happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, a wonderful New Year's. Everybody stay safe. We're really looking forward to hitting 2022 with all of you. So thank you for being listeners. Have a great holiday. Have a great end of the year. I think it's fun as well, isn't it? The autobiographies I read, it's usually someone that's been almost lost everything and brings it back. And again, it probably is probably, I'm probably a bit of a fixer at work. I went to Asia because I wanted to build the business. I came here because they wanted me to so I lead here to build what they wanted to do and build it up. That's kind of me. And I guess that's probably the challenge as well. The challenge and the sort of, you know, yeah, what's what's going on and what, what's, you know, relevant back to you. What type of books do you read? I don't read books. Oh, there you go. I have really bad ADHD and I am not medicated and I like it that way. It's a bit of a challenge for me, but it helps me to push through and persevere. Well, hold on. What do I buy you for Christmas then? <laughs> no, no books. Sorry, listeners. No books. <laughs> no books here. We need to do something I'll see else. you at the bar, man. <laughs> Scottish and Irish coming back there again. <laughs> So what's your most used business tool? Is it Watson? You know, yeah. I have to ask. I'm like, IBM, Shirley, Watson. So have you guys done this? What's the football? I'm still getting used to it now where you, you go in and you choose your own team, et cetera. What do you- oh, fantasy football. Fantasy football. Jeez. Have you seen how much Watson can then assess what you're doing, who you should trade with? That's a fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't realized this, if I'm being brutally honest, but Watson's got that. And I hadn't realized this whole, maybe I've just been blind to it, but I just got caught. I just went into this fantasy football league as a bit of a tongue in cheek thing with with work. And it was amazing how much the asset analysis and what what it could tell me, how it could predict. Now, I had no idea who I was choosing and I chose on hairstyle because given I'm clearly follically challenged. (laughs) So I chose my football team on the hair dressing, hair styles that I could choose, which clearly has got me in last place. And Watson That's has hysterical. I'm staying in last place, I think, to the end of the season. So let's wait and see. But yeah, no, the business tools is a strange one. I mean, I'm a communicator and want to keep in contact. We use Slack, which is a messenger service between us. 
And I just love, I can now paste pictures in there, photographs, what am I going to do, sketches. For me, it's really important to stay in touch and be involved. And I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just because I can do so much things with Slack that I can put it back and forward. And it, even just a mindset, I'm a drawer. So if I'm sitting talking to you or Mark or others, I'm drawing something. I want to use that. And that's what I can do with Slack. So that's for me, that's the most important thing is how can I use that as an open forum and, and shift things back and forward to each other? And people can see, ah, that's what you're thinking or what's going on. So it's important for me to keep in contact and be common and clear with the team, I think. Well, that's interesting. You go back to drawing. And if the listeners don't know, oil and gas this week, we had episode 245. IBM actually took over. And weren't you drawing as you were on, on a sheet of paper while we were... How Going did you? The motions? I thought you were supposed to be bound and gagged. While I, was... <laughs> I wasn't blindfolded. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. Actually, actually, I didn't realize I was. Yeah, I probably scribble and keep things going. I kind of put things into. Now I'm talking about my ADHD, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> You're I in usually, good company. I, I usually draw what I'm talking about, and I try and get a central point, and then the pits, bits that fall out of it. So it's kind of at least it gives me. A, a direction but yeah i'm usually i'm usually drawing all my guys that know me and the team know me that if i'm you know if i can't draw it then i'm you know i'm missing out on something or at least i don't understand i just feel it it's very very easy and probably as i've got older as well i've i've realized that's probably a skill that yeah yes i can don't get me wrong I, i'm not <laughs> illiterate and i cannot write but i just find it much easier when there's there's a picture that's in front of me quite interesting you were watching me drawing though i wondered what i was drawing i don't know i'm kind of observant i pay a lot of attention to detail because i was also doing running sound while i was bound and gag of course you were there you go (laughs) okay so who would you say is your most respected competitor respected competitor damn that's hard respected there's a lot i mean i i see a lot of competitors within even our our clients as well and i mean i work with slumbersy now, maybe people might laugh out there, but some of the data work, et cetera, and some of the OSDU work and some other areas and how we look after the SAP system or how we're building, we do very similar work, but we've managed to find our way in the market that says, look, let's use the best of each other. And I think that's, yeah, there's that side. I think Microsoft have done a good job of taking the market, clearing the cloud, who knows what's going to go in the future, but they've done a very good job I wouldn't say it's a direct competitor to me, but it's kind of a great position that they've that, that they've got in oil and gas. Who knows what's going to go forward now when cloud becomes, you know, cheaper and cheaper or should do, and then people have got a you know go to more of a hybrid model. Yeah, I think I've got quite a few competitors, and I guess coming into the industry as well, or co- sorry, coming into Houston, I've had to look at this and build the relevance on it as well. So yeah, it's kind of looking and understanding how you're going to learn. What do we expect? Trying to stay one step ahead. It's funny as well you say this because in the last two or three months as we've coming out of COVID, it almost feels like the clients want us to partner more and more with some of our competitors as well. So my best probably example goes back to Asia and Petronas. There's an asset. It was a $21 billion end-to-end petrochemical plant. Pengaran down the south coast, just off the coast of near Johor Bahru, just across from the Singapore border. And it was an end-to-end petrochemical plant. And we had in there, we were all working together, Deloitte, SAP, Accenture, 
internally Patronus Consulting as well and IBM. And initially, we all fought like cat and dog, as you would expect. And then we all settled down once we'd gone through the blueprint and we knew each other's roles. And we scored and we got we all got an award for it, including Patronus, of the best digital program that we delivered. And I think it showed me also, this is probably the future of where we're going to, is looking at specifically the industry where it is just now. And how do we look at each other and how do we get to the right sort of, how do we play to each other's strengths? I think, you know, years ago it would have been, you know, can you do soup to nuts on everything? I think now the clients are looking at who do you know, Jason, that you can go in. I have much more conversations. I had three partner conversations already this week that I don't think I would have had probably in the last five, six years. And so That's I think, cool. Well, no, I think it's very cool. It's important for the industry as well. Again, we talked about this at one of the events we were at. I think it's it's up to us if we really want to drive the industry on. We're all going through a you know a hard time. It's a, you know everyone's about sustainability, having a go at dirty oil. There's a lot of fingers or a lot of you know do the banks loan money to the oil gas companies? What are we going to do? We are laggards in terms of digital. We're, you know we need to get smarter. The best way to do this is leverage from other industries and then you know, try and get some more teams of us of how do we keep this industry going? You know, we in how do we how do we advance it and how do we get smart so we feed the right material or the right information to make sure that we do make the energy transition happen. We do start more agile working and we do get more value out of the technology and other other things that we're implementing to make sure that we transform the oil and gas industry. So yeah, sorry, long in, long long answer, but I think it is important that we understand who the com- competitors are. But I think more and more, I see us trying to work out what's best for us and what's best for the client, and how do we both go in to make you know two or three of us go in as a consolidation to try and make it right for the client and move out. Yeah, so it's it's almost as though our industry has been through a lot in the past couple of years, especially coming out of COVID, just like you said. So basically, we're become we've become more united as an industry. I feel, I do, as we've been attacked over and over again. Yeah, no, I do. I think I think you're spot on. I think personally, I made a bit of a you know coming out of Asia. There's there's pros and cons, by the way. So clearly, we had I didn't live in the size of a house that I do today than I did in Asia because everyone lives in apartments. So um, so it's basically four- the size of you. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's- <laughs> I could turn left and right, and my wife was in front of me, and that was no. There was it, you're you're living in a probably about eighteen hundred to two thousand square foot apartment in Singapore. I'm blessed, I think, for me and the family to be in actually Texas during COVID. I think there was a lot less. Yeah, you just got a lot more space and room around you. On the business side, I came here to run a business, and then clearly COVID took over, and that's really scuppered things as well. But at the same time, there has been, like you said, there's been positives. I do think when, when was that? The end of 2019, 2020, we had plans. I'm sure like everyone else or the listeners had plans as well. Whatever company, whether you're a super major, a multinational local company or a consulting or, you know, whatever company you're in, I think we all had plans. I think if we look now, our 2022 plan, mine specifically in oil and gas is, Similar to in terms of where I want to be successful, what I do, how I'm going to do it, a lot more around partnering, a lot more around how do then I approach deals where I can put some more business outcomes versus just going in and do some P times Q. A lot more about 
closer to the industry and more relevant to the industry versus just being a you know consulting company and that's been driven through covid and as we come out of covid so i think i think it's good i think there's some goodness to be honest out of this and i do but i think i'd like to see the back of some zoom calls on a friday it's it's or <laughs> every day i think i've started traveling now. i know you and i have met a couple of times with mark etc on the in the event and a lot of us talked about we're doing much more client connects which is great but I think what we've also need to be aware of is we've been sitting in our offices for the last, or sorry, home offices for the last two years. And so we expect an immediate, if you ping someone, I want you to be, hey, you're on the telephone. I realized probably a couple of months ago when I started traveling and, you know, I live in the woodlands, so I've probably got a 45 minute drive if I put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> to come into town. But then clearly I'm missing those calls or people are, when I got somewhere, people said, hey, where are you? And I was like, dude, I'm in the car. I'm in a meeting. So I think we need to get back to that culture of really understanding. Our norm has been, if I want to get a hold of you, page, then a ping and I expect, there's an expectation of us there's an immediate response. Where going back to a normal life, some, you know, hopefully some of us will be traveling around, we'll be on a plane or a flight, or we'll be going into meetings more, and you won't be able to ping. You know, and so that's that's something we need to take into consideration again as well. But I think it's all for the good, to be honest. I feel like I'm I'm very positive. This is what fourth, fifth of November, sorry, fifth of November. I'm feeling a lot more positive as we come to the end of the year that we've seen the back of this. We've learned from it. We'll be better people and a better industry. I think we've gone through a, a hard thing in the industry. And I think there's a you know, as long as we can get our heads down. We, we attack this and approach this as an industry. There's a, a, there's a great thing road forward, personally. Perfect. So what would you say, Jason, is your most important lesson learned? My most important? Put it out there. I'm an Aries. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that explains everything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're learning everything about me today, aren't you? I generally am the person that puts their head down, gets into the room, and then works out where you are and take it from there and there's a there's method in my madness there I think if you put yourself out there I would never have if you're talking about my personal lesson learned I think that's what you're asking Paige right yeah either or I mean it can pertain to both both business and so on the personal the personal bit would definitely put yourself out there just get into the room and there's two doors don't dilly dally take one move it there's always a way of you know there's always a way out and there's always one door next one door next I think that would be my advice to my younger self on the, as I say, I would never have experienced Kiev in the nineties, which would never have then taken me when I was a Russian speaking speaker to look after TNKBP, which would never then got me out on to really understand the oil and gas industry, going to Asia, blah, 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 and, and doing the jobs I've done and the people that I've met, which have been fantastic. I think on the business side, the best advice yeah, I think it's I think it's enjoy the climb. Know where you're going. Map out where you want to go and make sure that you understand. It might be generic, but it's kind of homing in on what do you want to do in the next five years? I think it's important. Not go through of, another pandemic. That's what I would like to do in the next five years. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Jeez. <laughs> actually, in three days' time, actually, I can travel back and forward to the UK. That Now, that sounds a little bit maybe weird to some but I'm an L1 visa holder and I've not been able to see my mother for, my daughter just came here for two years. 
And so the US will allow me to travel out of the US, but would not allow me to come back in on my L1. Oh so, my gosh. I mean, well, it's, it's actually, I've, there's been some horrific, you know, people have died during this COVID. I've seen, a, you know, and heard a lot of my colleagues have some deaths, et cetera. And I, yeah. Bad, so I, just, I just lost a good friend. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been rough. But we don't need this again. I think it's it's been a rough two years and maybe it's taught us a lot, as we said, Paige. But uh, yeah, I kind of hope that, you know, we can get out there and do the thing as well. But yeah, 8th of November, you'll get the Brits coming back in. So if you want to buy some stocks, what do them, the Brits do? Yeah, get hotels, Disney tickets and rental cars. <laughs> That's the stock you should be buying. <laughs> if you can find rental cars, I mean, there you goodness. Go. So eight and three days, guys, the Brits are coming again. Sorry. <laughs> By the time this goes out, they'll already be here. Yeah, oh, oh, gosh. Can we not get it out this weekend so we can warn people? <laughs> I already just had something go out, so we'll nice. see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just post something on, on LinkedIn or something. Absolutely. Warning everybody. So why do you think your role now is important to the future of our industry, Jason? Let's do a couple of things. Houston. I've made a big thing in Houston with the team. So there's a number of, by the way, I've never been to a a bigger, a city that's so much into give back. And I mean that, I'm not just talking. When I came here at first and people said, I thought, yeah, okay. And I've traveled around, but it's amazing. When people say give back in Houston, they mean it. And you, again, you and I and Mark have talked about this as well. So for me, my, my first important role is to make sure that I've made and build a business that that we can sustain as a business for IBM, but also the oil and gas industry. So Houston's my number one. I think shaping then and putting IBM on the stand that we can sustain the business and we bring the right smartest technologists, strategy guys, leverage from other industries and bring the best of IBM to the industry into oil and gas. I think that's the other one. And then I think the influence I probably have on the team and the younger junior members and building a t- team that can sustain the business and can be relevant. I think that's the the three areas. Like I said, IBM has many industries. My job is to make sure that they understand the impact of the industry, how we work and bring the right people, et cetera, and, and do the right thing. I think that's what I've done the last, at least set my base the last two years and although COVID's been in I've tried it slowed me down somewhat but I've at least got a good base to build it on so yeah Houston Houston number one IBM and bringing the right team and efforts and the focus for the oil and gas industry so we can really leverage from it and then shaping the future and, and bringing the right people and the, and the people and yeah I think that's yeah I hope that's important <laughs> I think it is I think it is thank you so what's your favorite podcast Oil and gas this week. Guess why? Why? We sponsor it. <laughs> That's the only reason? No, no, no. You're on it. And Mark's on it. Of course I like it. No, I, I really like that because it's a good 20-minute, 30-minute bang, a real nice way of taking sound bites and making it. I love the way you check and keep Mark in order, but just don't tell him, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he I knows. I, oh, I know he knows. <laughs> I love the idea of you guys taking the sound bites and making it real. It's bite size. It's it's doable, and and you understand it. And I love that. I also yeah, like it's the pretty di- brief. 
Yeah, it's brief, but it works. For me, it, it works. It's in the car, bang, I've done it. I have a laugh doing it as well. I know you guys is doing it. I love the digital doers with oh, Michael. Yeah. yeah, with Michael uh, O'Sullivan. Michael O'Sullivan's done a, a real good job in bringing a couple of the guys in from my team, but others as well. I, I learn a lot from that. I think that's really good. Yeah, I think that's the two ones that I really go to. I mean, outside of that, I probably use a couple of UK podcasts, non-business style. I probably go to, I probably get my UK humor from Chris Moyles on a UK radio, etc. That usually makes me chuckle. And I haven't lived in the UK now for six six years. So I do a little bit of UK sort of crazy humor to keep me smiling, etc. That always makes me laugh, etc. But yeah, OGGN, go OGGN. We need more. <laughs> Actually, we do need more of the people at those Thursday events as well, don't we? Yeah. The third Thursday of every month, I think it is. That's Yeah, I think we should get more and more people to that event and then get them linked into the, the podcast. I think it's it's very, very cool. Yes, and that also we give back to Red Imp to help them rehabilitate people that have been sex trafficked. Now, Red M, I mean, that's go back to my point on Houston. Doesn't David Reed and the guys do a fantastic job on Red M? Oh, absolutely. And if anybody's interested on what Red M does, if you go back to episode 109, David Reed and I really break down yeah. how all that happens and and whatnot. So I had no idea if we get deeper, but a minute, not, I mean, I met David and I, I could not believe that Houston was number one you know, sex trafficking location in the US. I, yes. know, I just wouldn't believe it, Paige. I've got two young daughters and it really impacted me. And I, I thought, no, no. And I had to go and read it for myself. And David said, I know what you're going to do. And I know you're, and then I realized what was going on, et cetera. And I think that the work that David does with the team, and then I've agreed with David, met him last week, actually. We're going to go and do some stuff together between IBM and Red M. And next year, I think it's a fantastic give back. And it's just, but it's it's the oil and gas industry coming together for the right cause. And I love the way David does it. And I think it still shocks me today. I, I must admit it kind of, it's very scary, as I say, having daughters, et cetera. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know. Well, try being a woman. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I definitely uh, resonate well done, with David. that. Well done, David Red M team. I think there's a lot more that we can do. And a lot more we should do as an as an industry, and it will probably help us, to be honest, on a on a challenge and how do we approach it, and probably help us with some positive vibes in the industry as well. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, thanks for joining me, Jason. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about IBM, how can they go about doing so? There's a Scottish pub down in no, there's not. <laughs> That's always your answer. It's always a pub. There you go. You know where to find me. So yes. I, I'm usually at the OGGN sessions on a, the last, the third. Yeah, year. so our industry mixers, they're usually at the end of the month on the Thursday, but uh, I'm not sure when this will be released. So if it's in January, it will be the last week because the holidays and everything coming up. So, so that's, if you want to meet me physically, I'm there. I'm usually in and out of town. The best place to link in, well, it's LinkedIn, isn't it? That's probably the yeah. easiest. Okay. I'm, I'm the Jason Duff with the American hat on with the monkeys in the background. <laughs> I'll just put a link. How about that? <laughs> just say Jason Duff, American hat, monkeys on the beach in the background. It was Monkey Beach in Thailand, I think, in PP, I think that's where it was. That's awesome. And of course, everybody can go to IBM.com to check out that further. There you go. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. 
Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.